dismantling systemic oppression, strengthening local economies, fostering equity and inclusion, cultivating communities for social good. We are motivated to leave the world a more just and compassionate place than we found it. A lofty goal? Maybe. An unreachable goal? Absolutely not. This is Impact Out Loud, the podcast that empowers bold impact for good, powered by Prospera Partners. Your hosts, Vicky Pazaban, Eileen Everett, and Ray Miller, aren't pulling any punches. They are diving deep, unpacking the challenges facing the nonprofit and social sectors, what is and isn't working, and offering systems-level solutions to address the truly transformational leadership that's needed for social enterprises to better their communities. This is the Impact Out Loud podcast. Now here are your hosts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Impact Out Loud, the Prospera Partners-powered podcast. I love saying that. It's my um, it's my warm-up <laughs> for being on the, on the podcast. So it's the vocal warm-up. Thank you for being here with me. I'm Vicki Pazavon, your host, and Ray Miller is here, and Eileen Everett. And uh, we're going to get right into it. So how are you, Ray? I'm doing great. I was trying to come up with an alliteration to add on there, but I couldn't come up with one on the fly. I love alliterations. If you hadn't noticed, I'm sure you have because you read all my emails. Yeah, I think I (laughs) used that in an email the other day of like rough report something. But anyway, doing well. Happy to be here and dig into the conversation. Eileen, how are you doing? I am feeling not nearly as creative as the two of you today, but ready to dig into our conversation as always. Um, so going to pass it back to you, Vicki, to see if there's anything else that you want to share about how you're, how you're feeling, what you're thinking about. I am feeling, um, I'm feeling a little goofy today. I don't know what's gotten into me. Maybe it's my second cup of really strong tea. <laughs> um, I'm feeling good. Um, optimistic. And uh, feeling like ready to rock and roll, you know, just kind of like ready for the new year, ready to get out there and do new stuff. And uh, yeah, things are good. But we have an important topic today. So let's get into it, right? Eileen, what do you have on your mind that you want to talk about today? Yeah, so we're going to build off of our last episode where we dug into really thinking about what do we want to cultivate So, so often we get in the mindset of what's broken and old and not working, and how do we actually shift that and put energy and creativity and thought into building new things um, and exploring what's possible. And today's topic is really linked to that, which is really thinking about leadership and leading through difficult times. So I'm sure we all can agree the world has been a challenging place the last few years. We've seen societal changes happening at in unprecedented ways that none of us have mm-hmm. ever experienced in our lifetimes. And that heaviness and challenges that keep coming up, how can leadership actually move us through these times and maybe the most healthy, productive way possible? So we're going to dig into leading through difficult times. So I'm going to see if either of you have a direction you want to start us off in of what leadership might look like through difficult times or any advice or things that you can think about for leaders uh, to, to be able to move through this in a productive way. 
Well, I'd love to jump in again, pulling from our last conversation of just bringing in that thread of creativity, but also like what are the environments we want to be in and what do we want that to feel like? And just naming again that if we don't do that kind of like line of questioning for ourselves, we might just default back to what we know, right? We might default back to traditional styles of leadership um, and really not think ahead to like how we want spaces to feel, how we want to be supportive, uh, things like that. So I'll, I'll start there if that's bringing anything up for you too. Yeah, for sure. I was um, providing a little bit of one-on-one support for someone who went through one of our programs recently, our Emerging Leaders Program for Nonprofit Professionals. And, um, you know, we were talking about her skills and her resume and, you know, what does she think about what does she want to do next? And not really identifying herself as a leader. But we got into a deep conversation around what kind of work she wants to be doing, what comes next, what is what is the organization that she wants to work for feel like, and how can she fit into that new culture, new organization, whatever it is that she's sort of conjuring up, and how can she bring forward those leadership skills that we started to identify in a new position, in a new place, in a new way. So, um, yeah, that, that kind of got for me, like kind of brought up like starting an inventory of our own skills and experience as leaders, even though we don't call ourselves leaders all the time, a lot of folks don't think of themselves as leaders and yet they do exhibit such strong skills, personalities, and I'm talking about conscious leaders, not not the unconscious, mindless ones, um, but the ones who really do know how to be in community, do the good work, cultivate that within others, and support others in doing that good work too, and providing leadership or leading from the side, or stepping away if necessary and letting someone else step up into the role. So, Anyway, that's a lot, but (laughs) taking an inventory of what really does make us a leader, I think is an important first kind of step, right? And I think adding to that, this this is a good opportunity to bring in transformational leadership and that I, we, it framework. So I, who am I as a leader? What is my role as a leader? Who do I want to be as a leader? And how do I move myself to actually uh, realize being that leader? The we, who are we as a group? How do we work together? What are our relationships? How do we deepen trust and relationships? And then it, the work itself, whether that's doing programming or transforming a nonprofit organization or even um, doing systems level change for the nonprofit sector to allow the sector to be more equitable and just and be different than what it is today. I keep coming back to this idea of, you know, I and we in particular. And I think when we face challenges and difficult times, it's really easy to jump to the to the work, to the it. Absolutely. Right? It's like troubleshooting, how do I fix this? Um, how do I get back to the to the way I'm used to operating? And I often feel like what's missing for leaders is is hitting the pause button, as I like to say. Like if we hit the pause button and slow down and just take stock of what's actually happening, that in itself can open our minds up to new ideas. 
And and I think back to even the beginning of, of the COVID pandemic back in 2020. And I think right when the world was shutting down, there was this behavior shift of people tapping into what they were used to. You know, as a leader, I need to troubleshoot this. I need to fix it. I mean, how are you going to fix a global pandemic as one individual? I don't know. But there was this pattern that we saw of people just jumping into troubleshooting mode, thinking, okay, we're going to be back at the office in like two weeks, three weeks, four weeks. And I think it took people several weeks, and in some cases, several months. I mean, here we are now almost three years later, to actually rethink things and think about new expectations and actually taking a step back and realizing that maybe the way that we used to do things needs to be different. Working from home is a great example of that. But I think people get in this pattern. And again, I think the beginning of COVID was a really good example of we saw leaders trying to fix things in those first few weeks, rather than actually slowing down and let's actually take a break. And I think there's such a benefit to really taking that step back and realizing, is this a challenge or a difficulty that I can actually manage and have control over? And sometimes we just need to push through those things if they're short term. Or maybe this is something that's like an external thing that's going on that we all need to really take a step back and slow down so that we're going to approach it in a more mindful way. I'm jumping out of my chair here because <laughs> I actually wrote a note before you started talking about the pandemic. I wrote about um, a note to myself about what we have seen as some of the strongest leaders are those who recognized that nothing was going to go back to quote normal. And those are the leaders who said, we have to do things differently. We have to try new things. It's going to look different. It's going to feel different. And it's not going to be easy, but we have to try. And those are the organizations and the leaders that have persevered. And I think continued, we have a client who, you know, the pandemic really, really shattered her business. And she persevered and raised a lot of funding and opened a brick and mortar business just recently, because she said, I'm going to shrink everything down and shut everything down to restructure, reorganize and figure out how to reemerge completely. And I think that that's an important piece of acknowledging strong leadership is that they recognize things aren't going back to normal. We cannot go back there. Yep. And I think this comes back to what we keep bringing up of this like unknown factor, right? People are fearing the unknown, thinking that there's this like normalcy where we're turning to, but that unknown and that constant change. I mean, if we're being true with ourselves, that's life, right? I feel like that's almost how it's always been. We're just dealing with it in an extreme right now and, and how we're coming out of that. I'm also taking notes on the side here and I'm trying to put all my thoughts together, but things were coming up too. Even as you were talking, Vicky, the framework, we use a lot of like stepping up, stepping away, stepping to the side. I'll bring in a term that I use sometimes of like an amalgamous blob. Like I feel like <laughs> things are always shifting, but people really want it to be rigid, right? They're like, mm -hmm. okay, I'm a leader. So I'm always a leader. We 
don't have that belief, right? Like sometimes it's the time for you to step up and step into that leadership. Sometimes you recognize that in someone else and you're like, okay, I'm going to be next to them, but I'm going to let them take the lead and I'm here to support them. Or something's not working. You're like, you know what? I've put in my time. I've put in my energy. It's not working anymore. I think my energy is best used somewhere else. And that's me stepping away. So I feel like there's something here too around breaking down that rigidity. That's why I said like amalgamous blob. Things are always shifting, right? We, we, uh, I won't go into it here, but we use frameworks like the five C's and there's elements of context and consciousness and all of that. And if we're using those layers of interrogation, we do see it's always shifting, whether it's the organizational space, the relationships we're navigating or the present moment that arises, it's going to keep shifting. So we have to be okay with like breaking down that rigidity and knowing sometimes it's that time for me to step up. Sometimes it's someone else's space. And one last thought I'll bring in is I think about it a lot as a millennial. I think of millennials as kind of a bridge between the youth and what's coming and the systems that have been in place. Um, and I think you guys relate to as Gen X. Like I think we share kind of this in between of being able to humanize the folks, you know, older and, and respect what's been in place or these different things, but also being able to step into that in-between space of kind of seeing both sides. Cause I feel like you also are seeing youth very like disengaged or disappointed and frustrated. So I also feel this level of like leadership responsibility of like, mm -hmm. no guys, like we're in this together, let's do it. And, uh, showing it's not like all bad on the other side, right? So I don't know. There's just like all these factors of malleability where, again, we're like stepping out of that rigidness that we're used to. Mm -hmm. I want to just pause here to acknowledge a an appreciation and thank you to Ray for naming Gen X as the forgotten <laughs> generation. Uh, we often joke about how often people reference boomers and millennials and Gen Z and um, and often literally leave Gen mm. X out of the conversation. So as a Gen Xer, thank you so much for not I forgetting know, us. As a latchkey kid, I just want to say thank you yes, for thank seeing you. me. Feel so seen. Um, and to bring it back, you know, to what, what you were saying to Ray around energy and the roles that we play. And, and I think about it a lot in terms of capacity. So I'm going to do a little bit of a reframe here of, of also bringing in this idea of capacity and building capacity. And I always love how Vicky brings us back in conversations to, to this question around what am I willing to let go of? And I think that gets so lost in the conversation when we face challenges or, or are in difficult times, which is hitting the pause button and what are we willing to let go of? Because when we're trying to continue to do all the things, then we're not effective in doing anything. Well, and it's I think like, it's like trying to hold sand in your hand, right? Yeah. And it's like, stop doing that. And, and, how do we actually create some space for ourselves? I mean, I think so often building capacity is referenced as hiring more staff, having more money, having more resources. Well, you can actually have more resources for yourself if you slow down and stop doing some of the things that aren't working. And I think that's just, people just don't even think about that. 
And when we're in a challenging or difficult time, and I think this goes back to thinking about how organizations and businesses that have been really successful during COVID, how they have transformed, is also letting go of what used to be, how people used to do things. And I just, I, I often see leaders or I should say people in leadership positions, because again, we're we're differentiating um, in terms of what we mean by leadership as taking action in the work that we do. But I think people in decision-making positions are like, no, 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 we need to keep doing the things that we were doing. No, 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 like you can't do that and create and cultivate something different and tend to the challenges that are in place today. So I think that is this like huge piece that often is left out of the conversation around slowing down and taking stock and also realizing what do I not have to do? Is there a grant that we were fulfilling that maybe isn't as relevant right now because the world has changed and maybe we shouldn't do that right now? Maybe we should reach out to the funder and say, this isn't working. And can we either reappropriate the funds or give the funds back so we can focus our energy on other things. And I think about my own experience working in nonprofits and sometimes, and I'm going to link it specifically to funding, sometimes the biggest funding challenges forced innovation in a way of like, we have to do it differently now. And by letting go and saying, I'm not going to keep doing things this way because this is what the funding dictates that we're supposed to do. I'm going to let go of that and take that risk, more funding then came in because we were doing things differently and doing it in a more impactful way. Yeah. When I was an ED of a nonprofit, it was all about control for me. I was in control. I was in the driver's seat. I was the one making decisions and I couldn't, right? At some point, my capacity level was like maxed out. My tank was empty my tank was empty and my engine was dying essentially. (laughs) Um, Like there was no oil in the oil compartment to actually make the engine go. And when I finally acknowledged that as an executive director, I feel like the team that I was leading could finally step in and say, Oh, let us, or how about we try this or can we do something differently? But because I was holding it all and not asking for help, and not acknowledging where I was lacking in skills or support or whatever, you know, I just wanted to hold it all together. I was in my early 30s. I thought I had the world to prove to that I was capable of being this leader, et cetera, et cetera. And people looking at me in the community as the one with all the answers because of the work that I was doing at the time. I had none of that. (laughs) I had no answers. I pretended to, but I finally acknowledged I don't know what I'm doing as an executive director. And for me, that was a huge moment of letting go and saying, you know what I really love doing is the work of serving our constituents. I don't love the work of running an organization. I want to be talking to our business leaders. I want to be talking to our nonprofit leaders. I want to be in that world. I don't want to run an organization. I want to be supportive in a different way. And that's what led me to stepping out, stepping away as an ED and starting a consulting business so that I could have more direct service and contact with the folks that wanted the support. And I'd say that comes back to the humanizing piece, right? And what we see a lot in 
leaders that are even struggling, right? They've even been dehumanized or you are in that position because you're expected to just like execute instead of being that, you know, full human person in the role. And as you were talking to, it kind of made me think of like even co-op models and businesses. And we're also ones that are like, we don't always support like totally flat structures, but sometimes you need that. And if you think about businesses that operate sometimes in a co-op model, then those in it are that much more invested in the success of the business or organization as well, right? They don't get to make decisions on everything all the time, but you set where those decision-making opportunities are. And sometimes those are the longest living organizations. Like I know there's even like bakeries here, right? That are run as a co-op and they're some of the most popular bakeries and the employees there are getting a cut of the profits and they're that much more invested in the success of the business long-term. So there's these like creative ways to think about leadership as well. Again, we default to the hierarchy and an, another example too, right? I remember learning about like vertical versus horizontal organizational structures. And I think in our last conversation too, we were talking about you can't just have only one type of person in the room. How do you get different perspectives in the room? So like with the example of a car, how do you get the designer talking to the engineer, talking to the marketer, instead of it being a top-down process all the time, and then it's like a game of telephone, and then everything gets lost in translation instead of them look, working cooperatively together to come up with the best possible outcome that meets all the needs. And I want to connect some dots here, too, based upon what you both just shared of really thinking, and I'm going to bring it back to capacity, of... I think a pitfall that I see happening in the world right now is thinking about leading through difficult times. I think a lot of people are are opening up their eyes to different leadership structures, different decision-making models that exist, which is really great and needed. I mean, I love the cooperative model that you just described, Ray. I mean, it's it's a really beautiful thing for people to feel invested in that way. And the pitfall that I see is that there is, I think, this expectation that's being held of we're going to try a totally different leadership model and we're going to continue to do everything that we're doing in the ways that we're used to doing it. And the capacity piece comes into play that when we're trying different things like different ways of making decisions in a more shared way or a flatter leadership structure, that takes resources to actually do things differently and not just put words on a paper that say, yes, here's what we're, we now have a, have a shared leadership model. That doesn't mean you actually have it. It means you have it written down on a piece of paper. The actual practice of those things takes resources. And I think one of the pitfalls I've seen over the last 12 months or so is a lot, is a lot of conversations around co-directorships and shared leadership. Well, what are you letting go of to build your capacity to put resources into being thoughtful and intentional about doing those things. Because I think when we face difficulties and challenges, it can open the door for so many opportunities. But if we're not mindful about it, if we're not thinking about our own resources and being really intentional in having enough resources and not just money, I mean our own time, our own energy to build things together, then how could we ever be successful then? It goes back to our last episode, even talking about nature metaphors of it's then the expectation that um, you're going to plant a seed and it's going to grow. Well, what about the soil? 
What about watering it? What about the things that need to happen to create the conditions to allow that plant to actually grow? And sometimes we are the plant and we need to mm -hmm. tend to ourselves. Yes. So Vicki, that might be a really good segue <laughs> to move us towards closing out um, this episode. And I want to look to both of you and I'm going to start with Vicki first. What piece of advice or wisdom do you want to share around leading through difficult times? Oh, well, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll leave it with, you know, tend to yourself because we often forget about our, our own self-care. And I know self-care has been thrown around a lot, especially through the pandemic. Like we have to take care of ourselves and put the mask on first. Yes, I believe all of those things, but we need to tend to ourselves in a way that supports ourselves. So, you know, I'm a proponent of bu the bubble bath, please. Lots of bubble baths. That's what I do. That's a form of self-care for me. But I also know that I love to learn. So I'm constantly seeking ways of learning in order to improve myself and my leadership. And that's an important way to tend to who I am. Thank you for that. How about you, Ray? Yeah, I'm really kind of swirling around um, people who are maybe younger or maybe haven't been in traditional leadership positions to maybe think about what that might look like or to examine leadership styles. And I just say that even speaking to myself, right, as somebody who's really not been in traditional leadership positions in the past. And fortunately, I've been grateful and to you two to help me step into my own leadership more. But I think we, you know, when we've been in admin roles, or we've had lower level positions or things like that, we might set ourselves back as leaders, because we don't see ourselves in that way. To what you were saying before, Vicky, right, speaking with someone who is like, not seeing themselves as a leader. I think there's something there to really examining what that might be for you and how you might be able to step into that. And again, that doesn't have to be all the time. Just where are those moments it makes sense for you to really step into that leadership and know when you don't want to as well. But right, things are constantly shifting. We're getting older. We're, we're accumulating more responsibilities and things like that. So I feel like it's a really valuable piece to examine. And I'm going to steal from both of you. I'm going to take both of your ideas and combine Perfect. them um, into <laughs> one. So I think for me, um, when I feel a, a difficulty or challenge is, is really present, I think that pause of, Vicky talked about bubble baths. For me, it's actually shutting everything <laughs> down and going for a walk. Mm -hmm. um, so it's like, I'm going to hit pause. I don't need to navigate this right in the moment. I'm going to take a little bit of time. And it might just be 10 minutes. And to bring what Ray was saying in, I truly believe in the power of youth. Our youth, they know what's up and they know how to like solve some of the most difficult things in our world right now. And so I think it is that piece around stepping back and listening to young people and going and watching TikTok videos. And if I don't know, it's like, well, what are what are the young people saying about this? Um, because there is so much wisdom in that. So I think it's a both a both piece. I just gonna say I have to reload my TikTok app, which keeps crashing my phone, and I don't know how to use it. So I better reach out to some youth to support me. <laughs> I'll just share you my favorite <laughs> clips. But I was gonna say too, just before we wrap up of like, even what we just modeled here, I feel like 
is an example of leadership doesn't just fall into one person. And again, why I'm grateful to have a team, right? Like I know that I'm not in a role where I'm on my own. Like I know I'm not like over here and good luck and all the decisions lie with you. There's something about what we keep talking about too, of that relationship building, community building. We don't want to create a world where it all falls on one person and we can see how harmful that is, right? So creating this kind of, it doesn't have to exist as a co-directorship, but knowing that we can share that leadership, that knowledge, and you're not alone in navigating uncertainty. Thanks, Ray. I appreciate you both so much for being the leaders that you are. And sometimes I just know that you're both so much smarter than me in so many ways. And I'm just so appreciative of that. So thank you both so much for today. Thank you, Eileen, for um, leading us through this discussion. I really appreciate it. And thank you all for listening to us. I hope you'll listen next time on our podcast. Thanks for listening to Impact Out Loud. Thank you for listening to the Impact Out Loud podcast, the podcast that empowers bold impact for good, powered by Prospera Partners. If you liked what you heard, subscribe to Impact Out Loud wherever you get your podcasts and follow Prospera Partners on your favorite social media. If you are inspired to make community-based solutions and systems change, Prospera Partners offers workshops and programs that are open to all. For more information, visit prosperapartners.org. Thank you for joining us. Until next time, be well and do good.